Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Hello, everyone. Welcome back and uh, welcome to the start of flu season. So much fun. Oh, my gosh. It is the worst. And it's like just more well, panic, right? Because you're like, is say, it COVID? Is it this? Is it that? I, ah. I've taken three COVID tests this week already. Mm-hmm. All negative because I just had it a month ago. But no, they're saying that like, isn't this supposed to be like the worst flu season? Because all the kids that were not. Year. I know, but <laughs> I'm feeling it. I mean, Logan has brought home three infections in the last month already. Yeah those daycares are little petri dishes for just the worst stuff and we as the parents get it after we take care of the kids so it's nice it's a nice thank you but um, we know our listeners you're in it with us everybody's kind of in it and we'll be in it together and hopefully today we can provide you some good information to get you through the school year and this crazy season Yeah, I mean, you know, us, we are all about inclusion. You've heard us talk about, you know, the neurotypical neurodivergent children and something that, you know, we feel really passionately about is appropriate training, right, for our educators so that we have a neurodiverse environment. And we've had on so many different people that have talked about different philosophies and different ways of doing things. And today we have another set of guests that were just going to enlighten us about how we can create and facilitate that neurodiverse school environment. Tamara and Brittany, thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. Hi, thank you for having us. We're so excited. Yay. So Tamara, I'm going to have you start. Um, why don't you introduce yourself and your title and how you became director? Yeah, uh, thank you. I'm Tamara, and I'm the director at Chico Christian Preschool, which is up in Northern California in Chico. Says it in the name. (laughs) And yeah, uh, prior to this, I worked as a behavioral therapist and had babies of my own, and this job opened up. And so it's been really fun to kind of merge those two worlds of behavioral therapy and then with the preschool and kind of see how we can bridge those two things together. Absolutely. And Brittany, do you want to give a little bit, a little intro of yourself? Sure. My name is Brittany. I'm the assistant director here at Chico Christian Preschool. Previous to this position, I have been a teacher in the ECE field, and I also graduated with a degree in sociology. So I'm interested in how we can intersect social services with the ECE field. Ooh, I love that. When you're able to kind of see how everything overlaps, everything intersects, and when you have a team such as yourself that is able to kind of merge that all together in a really digestible way, it really excites us (laughs) because early childhood is where it's at. And so tell us a little bit about the program, the inclusion that you guys have, you know, whatever you think is important for our listeners to know about it. Yeah. So I think it started off kind of like you were mentioning when you have background in sociology and behavioral and you've kind of worked in those two fields and then you come into the early childhood and you see how those fields could intersect and overlap, but they're not. Mm -hmm. Seeing that gap just so obviously after working in those two areas, it was, it's just been so important to try and 
work towards bringing more of those services and just bridging that gap. And so what we saw as a good way to start is just incorporating more inclusive practices into Mm. our classrooms. We work with such young kids that are in those critical first five years where they're building Mm. all those neural pathways that are becoming the foundation for all their future growth. Also at preschool, we have this amazing luxury of not having the pressure of academic achievement that Mm -hmm. they have at elementary school. So we can really just focus on the kid and their needs and how, what kind of support they will need in the classroom that they'll need now and potentially in kindergarten or how we can teach them to meet their needs in the classroom. And so we just think it's so important to, since we have that luxury, to really take advantage of it and use it to to the most to benefit the kid. And so, yeah, what we kind of really started with a foundation for our inclusive program is that teacher education and knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and understanding that from knowledge comes more understanding, from understanding comes more compassion. And when you have yes. that compassion, teachers feel like, oh, I, I want to, I want to help this kid. I understand why they're, why they're doing this. I want to help them be more successful. And so that's kind of been the foundation of, of where we, we started with it. And I think that's so important because that's where it all comes from. If you have, you can have really well-meaning teachers, but if you don't have a whole systemic approach to Mm -hmm. the whole school, holistic approach to, to getting everyone on the same page about how we are treating these kids and how we are going to be helping them and just that perspective shift, it's really hard for these individual kids to get support. So it's great when we find centers and schools that really from top down are working on that training because it's one thing to say oh we're you know we're accepting of everybody but if we don't really truly meet those needs it's not the same thing and we do see that from time to time because you know the early education is not only so important because of everything you said but it is that kind of gateway into schooling and where the kid is especially if they have special needs, where they're going to be, say, when they transfer to kindergarten or first grade, whenever they go to the public schools, mm-hmm. that first educational setting not only sets the foundation, but it mm-hmm. also kind of shows the public school what it is that that child can do, mm-hmm. right? And where mm-hmm. their needs are at. And so if their needs can be met really well in that early ed setting, we're setting them up for better success, not just for their own skills, but for the public school to see, no, this child can do it, right? This child can be educated in, in, in a mainstream environment. We don't need to push to, um, you know, a special day class, right? Because that's what we see a lot of times. And I know you guys have seen this is if kids are at home, just with all these service providers, or they have that ADA mm-hmm. coming in, they go to speech and they go to OT mm-hmm. and they go to all these services. Mm-hmm. So they're never in this good, you know, mainstreamed environment and the school says, yeah, we got to put them in a special day class. The parents don't know any different, right? They've never seen mm-hmm. their child in a gen ed setting. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think sometimes educators, we jump the gun and we're like, well, we have all these amazing tools. Like, look, we have headphones, we have things for them to sit on. We have Chewy, you know, we have all these amazing tools. And then they forget that important piece of know that the teachers need to know how to implement. They need to be empowered to feel successful with carrying out that kind of inclusive classroom. And if if you don't have that, it doesn't matter how many, you know, specialized tools and resources you have 
have available to the kids if the teacher doesn't feel educated, like they know how to use them or encourage them or support the child, then it's all just kind of a waste. And so not a, a total waste, you know, but it's not going to be used to the best of its ability unless you have a really strongly educated teacher. Well, yeah. and it, you know, I wanted to touch on something that you had said with, with that perspective shift, right? I would imagine that most teachers have it already and that's why they go into teaching, but the understanding component, right? We start at a level where, okay, we can accept that you have special needs, fine. But you really want to go to understanding and then just like you said, to compassion, right? And that just subtle shift, I think, really builds confidence even in a child. Because if you're ready to meet the child where the child needs you to meet them, you know, they are more confident in themselves and, you know, will know when something feels off. So oftentimes when we have these kiddos that are in a general education setting or an inclusive setting, and then, you know, the district wants to put them into a more secluded, you know, isolated type of setting, the child reacts negatively, right? We think negative, right? That's what the district sees. Oh, well, they're having all these behaviors, but but what are those behaviors telling you? There's some energy is off in this classroom or this child isn't really connecting with this teacher. I was just speaking to a client where last year, you know, the child had all these behaviors and this year we're in a classroom with a teacher that is a heck of a lot more organized. I can see the compassion. I can see the understanding And it's like night and day with this kiddo. And I'm sure that you see that all the time in your inclusive environment. Can you kind of talk about what makes the environment inclusive in your perspective for our listeners? Yeah. So for us, when it comes to creating an inclusive environment, it's really important to understand that these changes don't happen overnight. They're incremental Mm -hmm. things that become a goal for teachers. And that comes initially from the knowledge and understanding that they gain and that compassion component that inspires them to have that inclusive teaching mindset. So ideally for us, when we're looking at these environments, it's not only providing a variety of resources for all, but it's making sure they have the knowledge to be able to actually utilize those resources. Mm -hmm. So instead Mm -hmm. of just implementing a, say a circle time in the morning, once a week about sharing, it's actually something that you're doing habitually each day in your classroom, interacting with children, showing them positive interactions, having positive interactions with staff. I think in addition to that, it's also with our environment, giving teachers the time to be reflective in their practices and to look back and feel that understanding that we have for them. And maybe they are having a challenge and we need to do something different. So what can we change in our environment that promotes them having a stronger inclusive classroom? Well, yeah, I think another big thing that we're doing here, which kind of goes back to that bridging the gap between you know, making it a team, the teacher, the family, admin, and then also if a child has those outside supports through therapy or some, or, you know, something along those lines, but bringing all of those things together. And so we've had, you know, outside BCBAs and speech pathologists come in and do coaching on the floor with the teacher to really help them understand what practical things they can do in their classroom Mm -hmm. Um, rather than just having speech pathologists come in and pull a kid and do a little one-on-one session. We're always just trying to bring them, let's get them into their real world setting because the kid is here, you know, eight hours a day, five days a Mm -hmm. week. Let's get our teacher on board with what you're doing and really work on generalizing those skills into the real world. Yeah, I think that makes a great point. As much as we 
like think about some services need to be one on one. I think a lot of teams forget that supports can be done as a kind of push in model. And sometimes that mm-hmm. is more on that side of mainstreaming and being inclusive because the generalization of skills is so important. And, and that's the piece often that gets missed. And we have kids going individual sessions for so long. But I wanted to touch on what the training kind of looks like, what you guys have been doing, because what we try to do on this podcast is give our listeners who may be at a school site or at a center kind of tools and ideas on like practical ways to change the way they're doing things or improve the way they're doing things. So I know a lot of times when we think of training for teachers and inclusion, a lot of people think just get overwhelmed thinking about that. They think it takes a lot. It's going to require, you know, so much work, right? Because a special education credential is very different than a genetic credential. So we, you know, in public school settings, so we think of training as extensive, but I think a lot of times it's a lot simpler than that. So like, how would you kind of recommend, how do you guys get started in training the teachers and getting them? Obviously it's a a working progress, right? You continue to improve, but how do you get started with that training? Yeah, I think where we started was the CaliforniaInclusion.org has a ton of trainings and just different resources. So there's this training, the pyramid model that was given to us and had a lot of great visual supports in the classroom. And so that kind of opened up just the discussion of the importance of inclusion and different things that we can implement into the classroom on a daily basis. And then I think to go off of what Brittany was saying too, is just letting teachers know as well that it's not, the expectation isn't that all of these visuals, all of these supports get implemented overnight, that it is a transition and it will take time. So just do it incrementally and have grace with yourself to, you know, implement like one thing a week or even a month if you're feeling overwhelmed and you'll gradually get there. And then constantly looking, I think, for those outside supports that can come in and really do that one-on-one coaching. Because as a director, I mean, I would love to be there and train, you know, staff and be there for me and Brittany would as well. But, you know, we get bogged down and overwhelmed. And so I think it's okay to ask for help too from those outside resources. And that always starts with grants too for funding for that type of stuff. Does that answer your question? Yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I would I think that CaliforniaInclusion.org is a great place for directors and educators to start and just I mean it it can that alone can be overwhelming <laughs> as you go through. But you know, pick a spot to start on there just to kind of get things rolling with your staff and start with that knowledge piece. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you don't know what you don't know, right? And once you dive into this world, I mean, it really just opens up so many different possibilities and it's a benefit to all, right? Not just special populations, to the students, to the teachers, to the parents, to the sense of community, right? The world does not have special day classrooms. (laughs) Your your workplace does not have a special day classroom and, and Obviously, it's in our name, the Inclusive Education Project, right? It's, we understand that, it, that it's ongoing. And I say this quite often because thankfully, we do have, you are our people. And we definitely have our people on this podcast that are able to, <laughs> to kind of, you know, break it down for others who are listening. Ladies, if people wanted more information about your center, your preschool, where can they go? How can they reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. So we have a website that we update 
I would say almost bi-weekly with things that we're doing. We also provide parent resources on there. That's something we like to do is communicate with families about what we're doing here directly um, and what our teachers are learning. So right now in particular, we've been talking to teachers about using certain vocabulary and offering choice. So we tell parents that's something that we're doing here. But specifically, you can find all of our information at chicochristianpreschool.org. We're also on social media, not as active, but um, our <laughs> is, I live just Chico Christian Preschool. Um, yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you ladies so much for the work that you do with inclusion, with the neurodiverse school environment and preparing these little, little kids. We appreciate you. And if our listeners have any questions, please follow up with them. We'll make sure to have links in the show notes to their preschool. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later. Bye. 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 Bye.